Welcome, wonderful world, to episode six of the travel podcast. The world begins with you. Whoops, I soft that up a bit. I am your host, Jules, and today is really cool. I find it kind of special because I've always wanted to do like a live podcast with the person that I'm interviewing, and not only that, the person that is a fellow traveler of mine is also a friend since I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, so I think today's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really interesting. So would you please like to introduce yourself, Ken? Yes, I am Ken. I'd like to say I'm a traveler. I could travel some more, which is why I don't consider myself a full traveler just yet. Experienced a bit of the world, enjoy experiencing life and puns. Ah, the bad ones as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know how our friends is like, I don't like puns, but I have a tendency to do that. I like my opposites, what can I say? But I brought Ken onto the show today because he has had extensive knowledge on uh, cruise liners. So, yes. yeah, how long have you worked on cruises for? So, I start for about five years. Six years, for six years, roughly. Five years, five years, four years, four years. <laughs> I'm not good with math, five years. 2014 is when I started. So about five years intermittently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I find that really cool because I think he, I know that you've traveled a lot during that time. And even before, I know that you traveled a lot before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would be really good for the listeners of the podcast to be able to sort of get like insights on what it's like to work on a cruise liner and that sort of life as well as like of course your favorite travels so yeah today's gonna be like a little bit special but of course we're still gonna get his favorite experiences and tips and tricks so first off what made you want to work on a cruise liner (laughs) um it was hand in hand because it came in with performing as well. So I was performing for kids on the ship and doing little shows. Um, and at the time I was in a relationship, so I thought it was gonna work, it did it, but it was still a great way to experience the world because you get to travel and work at the same time, which is still a delicate balance because you're not 100% on holidays even though you are giving a holiday experience to guests. Yeah, that makes sense because people associate cruise ships with, oh my gosh, it's a vacation. But when you work on it, it's like, for me, 40% work-ish, 60% work, 40% vacation. Yeah, like, yeah. But I think that's really good because... um, I there is another guest that you guys will see soon, but she worked on one of those super yachts. Oh yeah. But apparently, it's a lot of work. Like it is way more work. Yeah, I think. Well, I think cruise lines are different because when so the job you have always comes with responsibilities, like anything. But yeah. because I'm a performer, you do your performing stuff. But then you also have what they call emergency duties. So it, if ever there was a case of a huge emergency on the ship, you have specific roles that you have to play, be it ensuring that guests go to the right areas and this, that, the other. It's just always in the back of your mind, like uh, anytime emergencies happen. So you're not just a performer, you're this, you're part of this bigger team, which is an interesting way to travel because a lot of solo travelers tend to be like, I need to take care of myself first. But yeah, yeah so it's interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. And like, 
In terms of those emergency situations, during the four years that you worked on a cruise liner, did that ever happen? Yeah, <gasps> nothing major. Like yeah. there's always stages to them. But yeah, two years ago on New Year's Eve, it was really bad. It was New Year's Eve. Eve. Yeah. We were lunchtime in the middle of the ocean in the Caribbean, and then like we heard this, um, the announcement that there was a fire. Yeah. Um, like below the deck, and so it's kind of a two-stage thing. And yeah. so the first stage, we're like. Oh, and then my manager was with me, and he's like, "So we might go to the second stage, which is a little bit more serious." Yeah. And I'm like, "Can you imagine spending New Year's Eve just in like big plastic lifeboats in the middle of the ocean?" Which, yeah. um, if you're not familiar with the ocean or sailing on them, I say the general thing is the bigger the vessel, the less you feel the ocean. So when you're on a smaller oh. vessel with like 300 people. Most of who might get seasick. It's really gross, and I didn't want that to happen in New Year's Eve. <laughs> didn't happen, thankfully. But it was just, yeah, a lot of medical emergencies. I will uh, say, yeah. Uh, and like, you guys also have to be a part of those emergencies. It depends on your position on the ship. So, like, the medical team and certain other divisions would be part of special types of emergencies. So, there's a firefighting team, but they're also Maybe people who work in the kitchens because they work closely with gas and things like that, so they know how to control certain fires. Uh, yeah. Wow. I did nothing special. I, I mean, I just made sure the guests were controlled and yeah. going to the right place, and yeah. But at least, like in those four years, there's from the sounds of it, it only sounds like there's been one emergency. Well, yeah, like it was. It's very controlled when real things happen because they do. Practice you every week, like it's a you practice your emergency duties every week, uh -huh. once, twice a week, really. So you have to maritime law says you have to practice it with the guests before you leave. Yeah, before you leave and start cruising, the guests need to know where they have to go in case of an emergency. Yeah, um, and then you have to practice again where it's just the crew members later on in the week. Just that's uh, part of like ship life law, yeah, and maritime law. But it's it's good to know that that's like a really minor minor event that could happen among yeah those four years yeah like the ones you hear on the news are probably freak accidents or like extremely it's never the crew always seems to know what they're doing when they do it which is why they train you yeah like the ones that make the news would have to be like messed up pretty bad which is why they take it so seriously <laughs> but there is a fun side to ship life i promise <laughs> yeah i mean like it was really nice to hear that you said 40 percent work and 60 percent leisure but i was i was going to ask you something but then like i forgot like during our conversation <laughs> but i think one of the things i wanted to ask you was how uh so like the reason why you decided the ship life you've already talked about. Uh, so the process, is it difficult? Is it hard? Especially like seasickness? Like what tips could you give for seasickness and working um, on the cruise? Working on a cruise ship, it's essential that you get sunlight um, <laughs> because your accommodation, depending on your position, doesn't always necessarily have a porthole, which is a window if you don't know. Oh. Um, so sometimes your cabin is indoors and sometimes your work is indoors, you need to make an active effort of, hey, I'm gonna go out in the sun tomorrow <laughs> if I'm on an island, or if I have a break, let me go out the break, like the staff area where I can go in the sun, just because 
vitamin sun is very important. I forgot if it was C or D. It's D. It's D. <laughs> vitamin like, sun is very important, kids. <laughs> it is like it's yep. such a real thing. Like, and does it affect your mental stability um, yep. as well? Um, seasickness again that helps with the fresh air. Ginger ale works a treat oh. with seasickness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, do you drink it like forty three hours before you get seasickness? Like, no. Whenever I feel it, it's kind of like when you feel the need to vomit. Yeah. Like you drink something fizzy, but ginger ale I found worked really oh. well for us. Yeah. yeah. I heard that like、um, ginger tablets also work well for seasick. That yeah,、thing. because it's the ginger in it. Yeah.、Oh. So both of them work.、Um, I just like my soft drink. Do you also recommend? Because I got like really badly seasick. I was on the top of the deck, and that was where my room was.、Uh-huh. So then I decided to go to the bottom of the deck and just sleep there. No, it's not a good no, idea. I think, I think low, lower is worse. <gasps>、um, oh crap! I feel. Yeah.、Um, I would say like the middle of a cruise ship is probably the best place to be in. Oh,、um, yeah. I have to remember that because there's one instance. Like I've been on two cruises,、uh-huh. but on one of those instances, I got really seasick, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna like walk around, walk it off. I got ten times worse. I was at a point where I needed to vomit, and I was just like, I'm just gonna just. Stand, stay in one place and just sleep there for the whole day, or just close my eyes for the whole day. That's exactly what I did. It is an adjustment if you've never been on one. I remember my first cruise ship as a guest when I first went, like、yeah. just a cruise.、Mm. Um, did you ever get when you came back home that you felt like you were still moving when you stood still? Yes. That was worse for me. I think it's because I I don't know. I'm a very movie person. Like、yeah. I move a lot. When I was on a ship, I didn't feel anything. And we were on a lower deck. Like my first cruise ship, I was fine. I was enjoying it. I was at the gym twice for the whole twelve days. <laughs> But I was like on the treadmill. Like this is great. This is great. But when I came home, the first time ever, I left a cruise ship. It was two weeks of you're fine until you stand still or get out of bed, and you literally feel the ocean. Like I would get out of bed and just be like, you're not there anymore. But like you feel the motion、yeah. of the ocean. Did you ever get that? Yeah, back, it was so.、Ugh. It's great, but like my one didn't last for a long time, but it probably lasted a few good hours, especially like if you off the ship. Yeah, if、mm. you go off ship, right? And then it's just kind of like, why is everything moving?、Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh man. Oh god. How long did your one go for? So we had a 12 day cruise, and I want to say I had it for like two weeks. <gasps> like it was just like anytime I woke up in the morning, I, like. Getting up off bed, and I just had to sit there for a bit. And be like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it was weird. It, it doesn't happen anymore. Um, yeah, but that's heaps good, especially since yeah you go on cruises so much. But yeah, what top three advice would you give to anyone who wants to work on cruise ships? Oh, my top advice is you have to be resilient. You、mm-hmm. lay, and I say that because. Again, because while it is a holiday vacation for the passengers, you live where you work, you know. So keep that professionalism in mind, even though your job and the perks of it is that you get cheap drinks at the bar and like you get to go to a beach or you get to explore a city. That is all fun and games, but when you're there for work, tempers will get short. People will be homesick because you. A lot of people are still far away from home,、um, and you do become your own family. But like. Keep in mind that, like, just be strong in yourself. And what I, my top advice is that there's a bigger life 
than the ship itself, if that makes sense. Because for six months, you're living and working on this place. Like, if you and I work together, yeah. we work together, we see each other, like, we pass each other, we know we're there for the next six months. Yeah. And we, like, plan trips together out off the ship. After you finish work, you want to go out drinks together. Sometimes you don't want to. Yeah. But, and even when you're annoyed at each other, just remember, there's a bigger life. You have your life back home. You have your friends and your families. That, yes, you do miss, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, it's probably my biggest tip there. Um, yeah, don't <laughs> fall in love too hard and too deep. Don't fall in love. Because everyone is there on a contract. True love does happen on ships, but... Mostly not. Not a joke, I don't know. Not mostly <laughs> not. It's just like, I don't think people are... like. I, uh, <laughs> it's just People just know they're only there for a certain amount of time. They're never there for a long-term thing. Oh. Yeah, relationships are tricky. Okay. But just keep in mind, there's a bigger life outside of the ship life. Alright, yeah. second tip. Relationships might or will be tricky. Third tip. Oh, third tip. Mm. <laughs> oh, like any traveler, pack less than you need. Pack less than you need because the space you have is not big at all. Yeah. Like, and just, yeah, be humble about what you wear. <laughs> be humble like, about what you wear. <laughs> 90% of crew members will come on with two pieces of luggage, which is average. Yeah. Because you're gone for six months and they'll probably buy a third to go home with. Because mm-hmm. I would just buy knickknacks and stuff like that. And yeah. Like, just just be humble with what you pack. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> no, but I definitely agree. Like, I, o- I would always kind of pack like half my luggage. I think I've said this in a previous podcast. But I know that it's harder than what it sounds like, especially if you're going on six months. Right. Yeah, it, it's... it's- yeah. <laughs> it's the, I mean, it, it really shouldn't be. Because I don't know if you do what I do where you pack everything you think you need and take half of it out. Ah. That was what I was told. Like, it always packed for half the length of your trip. Yeah, that makes ah. sense. So six weeks packed for three weeks, yeah. and then I'm a crazy person where like this is for traveling in general. Yeah, where I pack like four weeks away from the trip and kind of let it stew. Ah. I'm like, this is all the clothes I think I'm gonna need, and like lock out the luggage. <laughs> Then open it up again. I'm like, do I need those three white shirts? No. <laughs> and then you just kind of like slowly take things out. So by the time the trip comes, you're like, oh, yeah, that's no. what I like to do. I tend to pack, like, if, if it's a long term, like, for example, when I was leaving Japan to come back to here, uh-huh. I think I packed like two days. No, I packed like a week beforehand. Because cause I was already, like, I had to throw away maybe three quarters of my apartment, essentially, because I furbished my own while. apartment. Yeah. yeah. And then, and, like, I didn't have a place to put my clothes or the things that I was going to bring back home. So that's the only time, which is, like, a week before. <laughs> Did you send stuff home? I, I did, and yeah. Still not enough. <laughs> it was like eight boxes. Ooh. And I still couldn't bring home, like, like I only brought home, I said three quarters, but I think now that I think about it, I brought home one third of my apartment. Wow. Yeah, and that's well, eight boxes and a full baggage. Those Japanese apartments are little anyway. <laughs> but it just made me be like, you know what? I'm never going to buy anything again. Come on, Marie Kondo, doesn't spark joy in your life. Yeah. Hardcore. I was like, you know what? I don't need any material possessions anymore. <laughs> and it's so difficult because, like, as someone who did fashion and beauty content, I have so much makeup and I have so many clothes. Half of my, half of my um, 
uh, in Japan, half of my wardrobe was Uniqlo. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I just, because it's so common there, but I just had to learn just to throw a lot of crap away and that. You can give it away? Um, no. Because they're, they're really strict. Yeah, and. Richard Hall. <laughs> <laughs> But not only that, but they're really strict on like rubbish, and I and I lived in a retirement area. <laughs> Can you give it away? I gave away like my pot plants, <laughs> okay. and that was it. But yeah, it, in terms of materials, I think you have to learn how to be less. Well, well what's your experience with it? Because for me, I think in terms of traveling, I told myself that I have to be way more. Ma- Way less, less materialistic. materialistic when I travel. Um, are we still talking about cruise ships or in general? In general, yeah. Um, I think I'm still learning when mm. it comes to what, what and how to travel. Mm. Um. Ooh, like for me, the biggest thing is it's gonna go back into like your travel hack. Yeah. Laundries exist. <laughs> <laughs> Laundries exist when you travel. Like I always, I, that's one thing I never think about, which is why I overpack. And then I go to like a hostel, and I'm like, oh, there's a laundry here. I can pack way less clothes and just wash my clothes here. You know, yeah. like it's such. You think you need to over prepare that kind of stuff, but does that make sense? Like I don't know if you ever think about you ever think about that stuff. Like I, mm, well, because my f- first instances of traveling alone was uh-huh. uh, volunteer work. I was used to just like cleaning my own clothes i've been like five hundred percent i was like when i travel i'm like i'm gonna need like my only rule for like taking half of things out yeah that it doesn't apply to is my underwear <laughs> yeah no i'm, I'm like oh you're going for 14 days you need 45 underwear <laughs> it's, just, it's just like because i don't think like my clothes can kind of look decent <gasps> yeah. if i've been washed mm. and then i forget there's just laundry machines and i was like ah great i can wash my clothes fantastic <laughs> Um, is, is that like at most hostels though? I or? think so. Like oh. a lot of hostels I stayed at had like a laundry place and I was like, this is great. <laughs> I got this. I've got oh clothes. I have fresh clothes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's deal. true. <laughs> that's true. But okay, so now that we've talked about your cruise life in general, uh, what was the first place that you have always wanted to travel to? Like the number one that was or is on your bucket list? It still is, mm-hmm. is Italy, specifically during Il Car- Carnevale, mm-hmm. which is the week before Lent, where they just kind of have like these elaborate masks and things like that. Um, so it's a week of festivities, the week before Lent. You've never heard of this? No. It, it's a, basically a week of excess, kind of like Mardi Gras, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. But the Italians do like these big lavish masks and these big costumes, like <gasps> Venice in Carnivale, if you've ever seen it. Have you been to Venice? I, it's my favorite city I've in never the been. world. I heard it's not that great because of the smell. Yeah, people don't like the smell, but it's just so I would be there for the culture. Um, yeah. And it was, it, I've just seen videos of like these giant like gondola parades going down the canals and just, uh, these, yeah. Il Carnivale sounds amazing to yeah. me. Um, and I just want to have like a really cute costume (laughs) and be pretty no like the reason why I adore Venice is because it feels like such an alternate universe like it feels like it doesn't exist like it shouldn't exist on this in like in culture like yeah because the thing is it's it's a water island yeah and you know the inhabitants basically live on the water and why are you laughing the water island I had a hard time (laughs) 
That's I, fine. There's an island in St. Thomas called Water Island. It's, I, fine. it's just like the way you describe it. It's like a water island. But like, I just love how it's surrounded by, like everything is surrounded by water. It's like, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's like, it shouldn't exist because we're from like a moderate, like an urban place. And yeah. like, for us, a drive is a driveway. And then they like, they park their boat in. Like, yeah. And then you're like, wait, what? They don't have any cars. They don't have it's any so, trains. Like, and there's bridges. And like, you know, yeah. yeah, I think that's really like, it's, it's, it's very... Yeah. It's so beautiful. Like, I don't... Even if it smells like crap... And to be honest, so the thing was... I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I, but I, I guess it depends on who you are because my I don't think my whole family doesn't like Venice because of the smell. Mm. And what happened was... So we went on an overnight train from Rome to Venice. And it wasn't just like any overnight train. It was those overnight trains where you have to stay awake in case people pickpocket you. Yeah, because like the carriages where you stay at, they're not... Locked? Locked. They're not closed. It depends on like what you get, but me and my family got economy. And then after that, we were... (laughs) And then after that, we ended up being in Venice at like 3 to 4 in the morning. Uh But we had no place to stay, so we just ended up sleeping like out in the open. It's winter. (laughs) And we were just sleeping on a chair, and it was freezing cold. But, you know, we were, like, semi-homeless. Semi-homeless. Did you guys, yeah. like, take turns sleeping? Yeah, we took oh, turns Oh, that's sleeping. so cute. Yeah, but, like... And we had our luggage and stuff from memory. And then we just went through... But, like, to me, Venice is so gorgeous. Like, it's just a really beautiful place. So even despite, like, going there was a pain in the butt. Like, a humongous pain. It's still my favorite city. Oh, I'm really falling in love like with the image in my head. Now I'm scared that it's been talked up. Like, I'm I don't like to talk- No, no, because I see like Venice at night, like early evening, where the lights are coming on and reflecting in the water, and it's kind of just this beautiful coming. In. Mm. That that turn from day to night is always my favorite. Yeah, um, and like for me, my the turn from morning or or like night to day is my favorite. And, oh really? Yeah, but I saw Venice during dawn, and it was beautiful. Yeah. It's just like, but the thing is, the seagulls are like the size of like seagulls my arm. Seagulls. I remember the seagulls specifically, okay, but I yeah. think the pigeons are like freaking huge. Right. But the seagulls yeah. are like the size of my arm. Yeah. Like me and my brother took a picture. I think it was like the size of a fish that they were catching. And I was just like, me and my brother. Because I mean, I think the seagulls in Australia are already big enough as it is. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're like medium size. No, but I know what you're saying. Like, I watched the documentary or two. <laughs> yeah, but. Just speaking of like turning from day to night, sidetrack when I worked at Disney. <laughs> um, as I did, that's kind of how I started traveling. Um, yeah. That was my first kind of. I moved and worked at Disney and lived overseas for a year doing mm-hmm. that. I got to see Magic Kingdom coming alive. Like, I saw it when it was empty because I was doing this training, so there were no guests in there at all. I was there at like 5, 6 a.m., and it was going from like dawn into morning. And to see like Cinderella's, Cinderella's castle, like down the main street, and then not a single guest was the most beautiful thing in the world. Oh my anyway, god. It's just it's always fun. I think the special thing about those moments, especially like coming in from like the night into the day, is that people are still asleep. Yeah. And like it's a busy city and it's quiet and there's yeah. a certain peace and calm about it. Like yeah. it's 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 the time where nightclubs and bars have just closed. Yeah. And like no one's really getting ready for work and it's just beautiful yeah Yeah. it's actually like it's the reason why i always wake up like around six or like really early in the morning because it's just quiet Mm -hmm. but it's also really peaceful like Mm -hmm. it's not like 
quiet in a scary way. No, it's, it's <laughs> calm type of quiet. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, why do you like the transition from sunrise to sunset? Um, I like it for the calm during the from the morning uh, from the night to the day like that four or five a.m. mark. Yeah. But then in the evenings, I just like. I'm gonna get real like deep ish here. That's okay. But there's something like really. There's something adventurous about watching a sunset mm, for me. Like yeah. one of my first favorite mem- memories of watching a sunset was in Cape Town, and I was volunteering, and like the volunteer guy at the end of our trip, at the end of one of our the weeks of volunteering, going into the tour, yeah. took us to go for this like little hike through the field, and we went on this little hill, and we all just watched the sunset, had beers with us, and there's just something really like. I'm ready for the next adventure type deal. Like, there's always a possibility of your next big adventure. It's just really cool, like, just to see that sunset. And it's like, even though, like, the day's ending, the night's just beginning type thing. Like, yeah. Like, there's, there's, there's more to happen. There's more yet to come. Yeah. I do, I do feel that way in terms of sunsets. And, I mean, I've spoken about this with a travel photographer on, like, episode two of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting because sunset has like these sort of like glorious sort of colors like you know they're saturated yellows like the pinks and blues blues when that happens yeah Uh, it's saturated though right whereas sunrise is like soft and clean almost yeah Yeah. but like it's really cool how the sunrise is sort of like a calming tone whereas the sunset is sort of just this like the night has just begun it's it's yeah like it's that irony of like oh the date like oh sunset like it's the ending of the day but it's only just the beginning of what's yet to come yeah Yeah, like when the sun rises you're not like the day's just begun no you're like oh the day's just begun (laughs) that's what you're saying you're like i have to be at the airport Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah i mean like for me it's like the day is beginning it's Mm -hmm. it's sort of like a more mellow tone whereas like sunset is like lego yeah no i feel that (laughs) which is always really cool uh but like out of all the places that you've been to so far Mm -hmm. what would you say has been your favorite city and why i didn't mean to fall in love with it but i did and it was paris (gasps) Paris. like i've always loved (laughs) london and the idea of like when i went to london for the first time it was like all these things you've read about in like your fictional books, like your Oliver Twist, your Sherlock Holmes, True, all like your musicals. Yeah. I was like, this is everything I've read and watched coming to real life. Yeah. Um, and then true. I went to Paris for 12 days. I just fell in love. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I think it was the, my disadvantage of not speaking the language. <laughs> and like, it really made me like... Is it their accent? <laughs> also, I was really scared that they weren't going to like me. Yeah. And like, everyone's talking about how they hate, like they hate on foreigners, blah, 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 blah. Mm. But they like... I don't know. There was just something I really love. I loved of oh, the sunsets there, uh, like and the lifestyle. I mean, as a ho- as someone not living there and as a holiday person, yeah. as, as a tourist, a holiday person. <laughs> um, my first night, I just like went to a supermarket, bought some like cheese and crackers and like some dipping, like some hummus, I think, and like some bread and salami and a bottle of wine. Yeah. And I found this park. And sat there, and it was a beautiful park, but it wasn't just me doing it. The locals were doing it. Yeah. And so it was just this beautiful, like, oh, people do this on a Tuesday. Yeah. And I was like, it's so cool. Like, we don't do that enough where you live, you know. Like, at Sydney, at least, there's not enough people who do that kind of stuff. That's true. Um, and yeah. it's just, yeah, I fell in love with Paris and just, uh <laughs> 
Paris. Paris. Like, <laughs> not even the lights. And it was just being able to walk and take the... I can't say the word for their trains. Uh, like, R-E-R. But they say, like, the, the rail, rail. It's, uh, it's a weird, like... It, stands for, it yeah. sounds legit. I it sounds legit. The rail, rail. <laughs> yes, um, the rail. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> no. I really like Paris. But I agree. And food, oh, God. Yeah, I've heard. Well, what's been... Wait, 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 no. Wait. I know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like, I remember, like, another person, they talked that they talked about Paris being their favorite city and they said the exact same thing. Like, the reason why they love Paris is the fact that even though Paris... I mean, Paris is, you know, it, it's a metropolitan city. Like, yeah. for real, it is a metropolitan city. It is a little... Like, it, you know, it's got a lot of people, but it is slow-paced. And it's like... It's fascinating. Like, you know, there'll be people in the cafes just, like, having their conversation. This culture of, I love this. I don't know if it's just a Paris thing. If mm. I've been to enough of Europe mm. where they just sit out the front and w- people watch is my favorite thing. Yeah, no, he said that that's a common thing in Europe. Yeah, like, and he loved it's it. my favorite thing. And, yeah, I get what you mean by slow pace. Like, I walked in this courtyard and people were just sat by a fountain reading books and, like, talking, yeah. like not getting wild just like talking with a friend it was just it went and i was like oh it's so lovely yeah well uh, yeah it just doesn't happen enough where we live (laughs) like everyone's like trying to catch a train home and like you know um that's true yeah yeah i think they have they're really good at preserving their culture as well Mm -hmm. and i mean by that like they're they're not like oh we've been here for hundreds of years that can be a thing Mm -hmm. but it's like they have an appreciation of who they are like even they have a weekend which is called like monument day weekend where like they open up a lot of the public monuments and you can go in for free <gasps> so i wow. yeah like i actually and got to go see like it was a misadventure because i went to the wrong thing <laughs> i went to like the local suburbs of paris when because it was the sacre coeur i went <gasps> to the hospital called sacre coeur not the church even though i knew i was going the wrong way i still followed the map um <laughs> And because of that, I was like, well, I might as well go check out Paris itself. And so I went to the Notre Dame. Yeah. And they were like, oh, it's free to go in. I didn't go inside. Um, but I got to climb it for free. Like I said, I got like my ticket to go in. I got to climb to the top. And, it, and then I got to go to the Saint-Chapelle, which was next door, which is beautiful thing. But it was all free. And it was just appreciating their monuments that they have. Yeah. So it was really cool. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's really not like it's a really excellent idea. I mean, like I always kind of felt like in Australia, we sort of have a lack there of culture. Would you agree? Just I like, think it's quite... I, I actually see, especially in Sydney, is rich in culture. And I think the city, when you expand out of Sydney, is mm. pockets of culture. Yeah. Like Eastwood and things like that. Eastwood? Oh. Is that what it's called? Is that a, is that a city? Is that a suburb There's there? Chatswood. No, no, Eastwood. It's like on the roads type line. I'm sure it's Eastwood. That sounds right. It sounds right. Um, yeah. that's, that's like, like where you have a lot of like Korean food and then like your Lidcombe, Parramatta, Granville is a lot of Middle Eastern Indian cultures. Blacktown is almost African and then Lidcombe and stuff like that tends to be more... T- like it's just so rich and diverse and then they kind of meld when you get into the city. Yeah. But what I find is an issue is we don't preserve the history heritage of the city like yeah. we're knocking down buildings and building new fancy ones I'm like keep that building and build on top of it or like <laughs> keep the exterior like it'll build for such a beautiful history 40 50 100 years down the track yeah you know like is mm. i feel as though we don't have like a australian history is not it's it's kind of weak 
or like it. I don't yeah. feel as though there's much of it. I mean, we are young still, though. Yeah, like it is young, but it's just like I would like. I like the idea of pa- like the same idea of Paris, where it's like、mm. these buildings have been here for hundreds of years. Like I went to someone's place and they lived on the top floor, and you saw like. They had that traditional balcony, and the kitchen was just like this beautiful, simple wood. Like you can、yeah. tell it's been there for years. Like even though like the walls might have been painting, the plumbing was upgraded. Like、yeah. everything else was still the same. Like I t- had to take stairs to go up to their place,、um. Um, and I would like to see that here. And I think that's why I like traveling is seeing. Seeing culture preserved and seeing the history of things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree. Like, I think it's also an important part of how people learn as well.、Mm-hmm. Because, like, I was listening to a podcast, and the people in the podcast was, was reading a book. I forgot what the book was called, but essentially, it's basically about history.、Uh-huh. And like, the TLDR is basically history does repeat itself, no matter like. There are new innovations, and there are definitely amazing events that sort of、uh. happen, change civilization. But history is recurring, and it does recur like over time. And I just find that really fascinating. But I think it's important for people in general to remember that we have a history, and it's good to learn that stuff、mm-hmm. because I feel as though then we learn more about ourselves, ourselves as people who are born and raised. In and then see where you can go from there as well. Like it's very,、yeah. what, you need to be self-aware where you come from so that you can go、yeah. forward. Yeah, I think it is, but you can't forget your past, Simba.、Um, <laughs> <laughs> so dizzy.、Um, in saying that, though, I just wanted to go on about like. Things that disappoint—not disappoint you traveling, but things that were shattered for you while you travel. Yeah,、um, is pho- photography and the idea of taking photos. I think has been ruined by a lot of. It's a double-edged sword. Like travel photography and stuff like that is all well and good,、mm. but I feel like it loses understanding what it means to travel for most people. Like people go to.、Um, Case in point, like they'll go to the Louvre. I can't say it. I can't say it. Like that Ari at the end gets me. But they'll go there, see the Mona Lisa, and forget this whole beautiful building, and they all want that one photo. Yeah. Or like they'll go to Niagara Falls and be like, I stood here and saw this,、yeah. but didn't appreciate the fact that that's been there for thousands of years, and it was like it might have been bigger or smaller, and like、yeah. they're just there for the gram or the hashtag, which is all well and good, but. <laughs> It, there needs to be that balance of like appreciate that what you're seeing now. People have seen before you. I love that idea of traveling. Like, yeah, you weren't the first there. Like, yeah, like I think it's crazy that one of my friends who lives in Europe. When I went to the Notre Dame,、yeah. I know he. I I knowed. Wow, <laughs> English. I knew he'd been there. And so it was like this connection of like, wow, my friend's been here. He's walked the same steps. Like it's really crazy to think that other thousands of people,、yeah. you're not the first there,、yeah. and you won't be the last. But also take that moment and take that photo. But then be like, I'm on this bridge in Venice right now. Like it doesn't have to be the scenic moment. It just has to be a moment. Yeah. You know, like does that make sense? Like no. Like I remember I was talking to someone else who recently came back from South America. Uh huh. And I remember she said that what she loved about it was the fact that she didn't feel as though that she was like such a big thing in the world. She felt as though she was just like a small part of the world, and there was just so、mm-hmm. much more to life than her problems and herself. I will say the this is something I 
partially inspired me to travel mm. um, was a quote from something my teacher would say in school was that the more you learn about the world, the more humble you be and the less you'll know, if that makes sense, which is always like, it, it makes sense when you start learning and educating in general, not just through travel, yeah. but travel really opens you up and goes, wow, I now know what the city is and how to catch a train here and how to interact with certain people. Yeah, most definitely. Now there's more I need to know. Yeah. And what inspired me to travel as well. Yeah. I'm going to get ahead of myself here. I know, like, I don't know if you want to ask the questions. <laughs> just, just go. Just go. <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe I will. Does this podcast have questions? It does. does. this podcast? I know it should, but I'm just like, sorry. <laughs> but I mean, I, I like the fact this is conversation. Anyway, keep going. Sorry, hurry. Because that really cheesy, like one of the first things that inspired me to travel was this cartoon from Sesame Street when I was really little. Yeah. And I never forgot it. It was like, cartoon was like, this little brown girl with curly hair was like traveling the world and seeing all these things. This was her lifestyle. Dora? No, no, no. This was just like a random like Sesame Street cartoon and she was like walking in her cloud dream, I think. And she was walking and she's like, oh, I've been to this place and I ate like this African food and I went to Paris and I ate frogs and, you know, like, went to Russia and like had a polar bear. Yeah. But like the most adventurous thing for this person that was traveling was when she went to New York and had like a suburban life and the most exciting thing for her was having a peanut butter jelly sandwich because she never had it. And so I always like that idea of like what's home to someone else is an adventure to everyone. Ah. And I like that. That like I think that's always been in the back of my mind when it comes to traveling. <gasps> wow. I love like I literally that. always think of that. Like, <laughs> this is an adventure. <laughs> yeah, it's like wow, like and it's just really cheap. Like that's the essence of tourism where you're like, mm. wow, the opera house and I'm like, I see that every day. <laughs> you know, like this is my local. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean like when you travel so much and then you go back home, don't you feel as though you appreciate like yeah like for example i i said this on a previous podcast uh but i remember like you know being here i was like that's great and then i moved to japan for three years and then when i came back i realized that circular key is freaking beautiful right really gorgeous and then like have you ever taken the train to north sydney from like circular from like when you're and you take the train across the bridge and you see the view and like yeah. yeah! I get it! Yeah. This is cool! And like, even like if you come to Sydney, like taking that train is a different view of yeah. of the bridge, you know? Like yeah. you're in it, like you know? And it's beautiful! Yeah, I totally get that because I'm like, this is my city and like I'll always like Instagram with your friends and like, you know? Like, they are my city! No, but yeah, and actually, whenever. Because I used to like come back for Christmas when I was in Japan. And right before I'd come back, right before I'd go back to Japan, I'd always visit Circular Key. Yeah. Because, like, I just realized that, like, it... Because when I, when I left for Sydney, I don't know, I watched, like, too much anime, and I was a huge weeb. You're so ready for, like, Japan. And yeah, like, yeah. I was, like, I was a, not a teenager, but I just went out of uni, and I was, like, dark and broody, and I was, like, I'm going to leave this place. But, like, when I came back, I realized that, like... I mean, even though I am planning to do a one-way trip to Berlin, I, I mean, I, st- <laughs> I still, it just made me realize how much I appreciate, you know, being able to grow up here and like, completely, yeah, and like Sydney is beautiful and like during my current work, I work with a lot of designers, so I had to learn more about architecture and I just realized, <sighs> wow. yeah, but with that, I realized the importance of the Sydney Opera House, like, 
it is quite a oh. magnificent structure and like you know like it is yeah R.I.P. recently passed away yeah, yeah. Really I saw sad. I saw yeah. an article on that like and it's amazing because I follow like because I follow a lot of local so or or like Australian architecture newsletters as well as international mm. and he was really renowned like even the international people were like the Sydney Opera House architecture architects passed away recently like it is quite a significant structure mm. and just looking at everything in retrospect I mean there are some things that I realize no wonder this is well known around the world yeah yeah like at first we're, we're like oh that's a freaking touristy place don't you find that like <laughs> when, when you, you come home not only do you feel like it's more homey and you understand it mm. but you get a Sydney pride to yourself like yeah and like I was told that like there's a competition between Melbourne and Sydney <laughs> And my my Melbourne friends are like Sydney people are a little bit more pretentious and Melbourne's a little bit more chilled. Yeah. I lean into the pretentiousness because I'll go I'll go okay that's fair. But do you have a Harbour Bridge and Opera House that gets featured on New Year's Eve? Around the you world. You don't. So I get it. Yeah, you might be pretentious, but there's reason to it. Like yeah. these art these, these these like it's, it's a pretty amazing like visually it's pretty good. So deal with it. But um, I do like Melbourne. <laughs> and, no, I agree. Like, but like, yeah. I'm just that person. Like, you're like, it's pretentious. I'm like, I know. But it's for a reason. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, I'm proud of it. Like, everyone's like, oh, Sydney people are a bit stuck up. I'm like, but do you have a Harbour Bridge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I... Do you have Circular Quay? <laughs> I love Circular, circular Quay. Circular Quay. <laughs> when you first learned that word, Quay as a kid, Circular Quay. I know. And I was like... Why is it quay? <laughs> Why is it all like a key? Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense if it was a key. Sounds cool. Makes it sound like magnificent or some crap. But yeah, I mean, I think a really important part, and I know that like some people, they just like completely disown their culture. Yeah. Like, and I, and I mean, as I as much as I understand their reasons for it, like I think if you deny the fact that you come from somewhere, you're denying a part of yourself. Mm. And I just like. I always think it is important like to know that you do come from a certain place and even if you don't always agree with their values and ideals like you still come from that place and if you're not accepting that then I think maybe you're not accepting a part of yourself, of yourself and that doesn't help yeah and yeah. I th but only but to be honest I think I only learned that through traveling to Japan yeah. Oh my gosh, completely. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I will say about ships is that, um, mm. is that um, there's, a, there's a large majority of people there that are Filipino. Mm. And we're Filipino. Being, no. hold on, like this is actually going to work well with like in traveling. It's like, it's mind blowing for certain people when you say you're Australian, but you don't look like what they expect you to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, and this comes back to being like Filipinos like you're raised in a certain way even though we're raised here it's like there's this pride in like how you present yourself and how you talk and like that's recognizably Filipino but then when you say your nationality is Australian people go into this what? like how does that make sense to you? yeah like do you, do you get that a lot overseas yes especially like, as a Japanese yeah or like as a, and like for me it's cause and it's worse when like Filipinos that are from Philippines talk to me yeah. Like on the ship, they'd be like, "Oh, so you're Filipino?" I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm I'm Australian." They'll think, 
I'll see you're half Australian. Australian. Filipino. I'm like, no, 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 I moved you there. Like, Look at me. I'm still Filipino. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, I'm just like, like, the difference between nationality and heritage is something people don't get enough of. Yeah. Like, or don't understand. True. Like, I have a friend who is French, but her heritage, oh my gosh, is Asian. Uh, I can't remember which particular Asian, but, but she, she looks. She's very like typically Asian, but then she'll speak French, and people are like, huh? And she's like, I was like, her story was that she was adopted, so she was raised in France, but like she still got her heritage in Asia. Uh, I don't remember which one it is, and I don't want to just like wall them all out, you know. That's alright. Um, yeah. But like, it's always interesting when you're traveling. Like, it's yeah. it's almost like a superpower and a hindrance as well, because yeah. people don't you find people like. Traveling also comes with a sense of judging and like preconceived mm. notions, which will either be broken down. Yeah. Like even as yourself, like people will be like, "I'm just gonna say it." Another Asian tourist. Yeah. Like you know, but then like, if they speak to you um, while you're still yes, an Asian tourist, there's more to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then like for me, like what broke down in France was that people are a lot nicer. Like I was sweating. Mm. Trying to order a coffee because I was scared that they were gonna be like, oh, "You speak like an American," and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to help you here. Have your coffee, and I was like, sat there with my little app, and I was like, "Parlez-vous anglais?" And then they were like, "Oh yes, it's a coffee, it's an English menu," and I was like, "Oh my gosh, thank you." I was like sweating so hard, like I had so much like nerves trying to speak French. Yeah, but like it's always breaking down. I like the idea of like cultures blending more that way. Yeah, yeah, and like everyone learns more about each other. Yeah, like it's really sweet because I was an English teacher in Japan for three years, and my my students they'd look at me and they'd be like, "You're from Australia," and I'm like, "Yes," and they're like, "Are you Japanese?" and I'm like, "No, I, I'm Filipino," and they're like. Are you half Japanese and half? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm like, no, I'm full Filipino. And they're like, huh? You don't look full Filipino. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I am. <laughs> Both my parents are full <laughs> Filipino. <laughs> like, that's just how it is. And they're like, Are you sure you're not Japanese? I am very sure. I got asked this question three times. Are you sure you're not Japanese? I'm like, very sure. I'm not good at your language. <laughs> But it's also really sweet because when my students found out that I. Came from Australia because the thing is, a lot of the teachers there、um, are American, and、oh. yeah, and、oh. to be honest, American heritage is actually pretty, or American culture is actually pretty deep rooted in Japanese culture, because essentially after World War Two,、mm. uh, America took away the Japanese military, and then after they basically said that we're going to be our military now, and you know, obviously, and、yeah. essentially the U.S. helped to build their economy and stuff like that. So a lot of the teachers that I worked with were, you know, from America. I also teach American English, not international English, in Japan. There's a difference. Sorry. The, yeah, there is. Cause <laughs> I'm a teacher. <laughs> I'm an English teacher. But yeah, like、um, American. There's American grammar. Like they have different grammar structures、uh -huh. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And for some reason, instead of learning international English, which you think would be the more logical thing, they learn American English.、Oh. So it's pretty deep rooted. But yeah, like it's really sweet because you know when I would teach these students, like after a while, they'd be like, "Oh, I want to." Instead of wanting to go to America, they'd want to do、um, 
like study abroad in Australia or yeah. they want to do jobs abroad in Australia or New Zealand. And it's really sweet because, you know, it's kind of like after learning about my culture mm -hmm. and stuff, they're like, oh, that sounds nice. I want to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like really sweet stuff. But Traveling does make your life richer. Yeah. You know? Um, like for me, on cruise ships especially, like I met people that come from like Jamaica and Kenya and things like that and I understood this culture that I barely knew like especially when it comes to like what they eat oh my goodness like Jamaican food <sighs> yeah like I mean I'm not like too big on like curries and stuff like that but like spicy jerk chicken um oh patties Do you like spicy food oh. uh, it depends on spice. um yeah. like I can't, I don't know how I can, I can't do Indian curry. Mm. I just, it makes me sweat and I feel like I'm working out when I'm eating. Cause like, I'm just like beads of sweat, but like I'm doing like a Thai curry and like dry spices in like jerk chickens. Um, not too crazy spicy, like those spices I can do, but they have this thing um, called patties, which are basically like empanadas, but bigger. Like they're big and they're like packed with like chicken or beef or beef and cheese. And it's like, that same like half circle shape with like the folded pastry. Yeah. And inside is that is the is the meat and it's like, How big is it though? Like as big as your hand? Bigger ish? Like Oh my gosh. Like a, it's like an empanada sandwich. Yeah. Like almost like I'd say it's almost like a six inch subway. Like oh, the length crap. of it. And it's like it's obviously like half a circle. Yeah. And it's uh it's so good. And then I found out like we would always eat it when we go to Jamaica. And then um um they have sweet bread, which is, I don't know, it's a sweet bread? Yeah. And I thought it was a dessert thing. Yeah. Or it's cocoa bread. I think it might be called cocoa bread. Um, and I thought it was like a dessert bread that you eat after the empanada. You put the empanada in the cocoa slash sweet bread, and so you eat it like it's, oh my god, it was so good. Like, it was like, so like the, bread on bread with meat. <laughs> it was like so good. Like, it sounds like Japan. They have like pasta in a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, like they got the yakisoba and they're like. Yeah. <laughs> was it nice? Have you tried it? Yeah. I, yeah. I just they have it in like... Sydney, you know that, right? What? There's a Japanese bakery in Newtown and they do like the noodle bun uh, thing. I just like the thought of carbs and carbs is like. Mm. <laughs> One thing when I did travel to Japan was I was disappointed with how I thought the food was going to be a lot fresher than what it was. If that makes sense. Oh, uh, wasn't like when you go, I mean, it was fresh, like, when they bought that section in the market. First of all, that <laughs> section in their, like, supermarkets where you can just pick, like, your freshly made whatever. Yeah. Like, your sushis, your breads, everything yeah. about that section is me. Oh, that's It's so good. But, like, it. for yeah. some reason, I, I don't know why I expected more fresh fruit. Oh. Like, freshly yeah. cut fruit and things like that. It wasn't as prominent. And I was yeah. like... Oh. And it's expensive. <laughs> oh, man. You don't really think about money when you're traveling. Like, especially when you're traveling, you're like, oh, I'm on vacation. I can get this. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, yeah. you're like oh, it's a little expensive, but I'm on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> like, you always find, like, that treat yourself comes a lot more when yeah. you're traveling. Like, True. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, but Taiwan has amazing fresh everything. Really? Oh, yeah. Like the grocery stores? Because my friend just eats out. <laughs> Like the local street market vendor type places. Like I remember I was going to this, I don't remember where I was, Keelong? That sounds right, Keelong. And like we took a ferry over to this little like 
smaller island, like circular key to Darling Harbor type business. So it's like five minute ferry ride. But like it's a ferry ride where like it's also Asia where they all drive their motorcycles and their bicycles and you're like standing there like am I gonna get run over when this like rush comes out? Um, but then like you know, you know the like the typical Asian street market type like open vendors or like giant bowls of like fish balls and like squid on a stick that's been like barbecued and like the open sea mar- seafood markets. But then they have like fresh food, like fresh juice smoothies, like real good. Like I paid a dollar for like a mango smoothie like this big, and like chunks of like like fresh mango in it. And I was like, oh, wow! The fresh food was so on point and cheap. From cheap, 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 cheap. It was like two, three dollars max. Like I was like, squid, cool. I'm still, I'm not hungry, but I'll take that giant bowl of whatever you just fried. I do love. Oh my gosh, what's it called? The Japanese bowls. Takoyaki. Takoyaki. Yeah. I love like the little like I love everything about it, like how it's made and flipped. Have you tried the cheese one? No, but I really favorite. love it. I just love all of it. Like if it's takoyaki, <gasps> I don't think it's takoyaki. Oh, what? What? Oh, uh, like in Sydney? Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why? Yeah. Yeah. No, but like um, so that would. When there are certain seasons, I'd like I liked to eat certain things. I forgot what I'd eat. Oh, in in the summer, I'd have like green tea. There's this green bottle called mm. Oyocha, and it's so refreshing. I usually hate matcha tea, but like that was the one that I would always drink. It was just really refreshing. And then in the winter, I'd eat two things. I'd eat um. Did you have it? Taiyaki. What that? I might have added. I don't yeah, know it's it's fish on it. It's like a fish pastry, and then it has a uh, red bean on the inside. That's the one that I would have. No, I don't think I've had that. That's nice. It's it's so good, and like the one that I would always have, it's like a croissant type pastry for the fi- for the outside, and then the inside is sweet bean, and it's so good during no, the winter. I what I do love is yeah. their Seven Elevens and their Lawsons and their Strongs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like expensive food in Japan is delicious, but if you want like cheap Local, food as well, and like the Seven Elevens have microwaves, and you're yeah. like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. <laughs> like we would get the Strongs, the Chuhais or whatever they're called. The, ah, the, the drinks, yeah, mm. yeah. It's alcoholic, and it's um, so cheap, and it's so cheap. But it's like yeah. strong. <laughs> That's the name, um, and then they have like they've got this. They sell like ice cubes in a cup, yeah, like the lemon ice cubes, and then it's like a limoncello because then you pour it. Ah, it's so good. Yeah, and like I don't know what you guys did, but you know how you can go drinking in public. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Well, me and my friends did. We got those cups. We got those drinks. We got like a two-liter bottle of sake and sour because you can get those. And then we just drunk in the middle of Ikebukuro. And like, even though it's winter, because you're drinking, like it you keeps you warm. Cold, yeah. yeah, and it's just it's so much fun. We did it. Like, I mean, yeah, we went to a park. We would have picnics. Like when we were in Fukuoka, um, where we docked, you could like take a 15-minute walk to like a Yumi Mall. Um, and like you can get your local like whatever you, the things you need for the ship. Yeah. Um, like so, people buy snacks and stuff for their cabins. So you have like chips and things like that. So uh, you don't always eat. Like so you can like it's like it's like living, but you just happen to your local grocery store will be every Japan or like every other week, whatever different island you're on. Yeah. That's maybe where you get like your your chips and drinks from because it's cheaper than going to like the American store. Like, yeah. So it's really cool. That's really cool about ship life. Um, uh, that way, where like. Yeah, 
but um, back to Japan, that's exactly what we did. We like, I'd get like, I'd get like my fresh pastries and breads and like some sushi and then like a bunch of strongs and sit in a park <laughs> and then just, yeah, and just play football and just have a picnic. Yeah, but it's like amazing. And、mm-hmm. I remember like when I would go on my trips, I would get onigiri. You know the rice? Onigiri,、oh, oh my god! I love onigiri. Yeah. Oh my, you're so Asian. I, I, I can、know. literally see like. But it's like a dollar, and、yeah. like it, you can have that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and three dollars. It's like the rice isn't dry. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so, so good. And it's fresh as well.、Yeah. Like the seaweed is like crunchy. I love the rice、um, snacks, like little like. I call them like chicken pellets, you know, like the little pink balls and like the brown like rice snacks that you get. I think I my students、called. used to give it to me. Yeah, you know, and they're like crunchy and like. Yeah. They're my favorite things to eat. They're like a little salty, some of them are a little sweet. Like But a, it's like trail mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're my favorite thing to eat. That's how I remember it as, because like I don't know, my students always gave it to me. But now that we're on the topic of food, what is your favorite food? I would say I love eating when I travel.、Um, don't we all? I would say. Dessert is my favorite food to eat, and when I travel, it's always finding like even though it's an Italian thing,、mm-hmm. I always need gelato.、Ah. Like、um, I'll get gel- so when I was on my on the cruise ship in the Caribbean, because、yeah. it's summer for the well, it's never winter really in the islands.、Ah, um, it's always、yeah. like sunny beaches. They'll always have ice cream stores, and.、Um, I would always go to the gelato place in every store, but like one of my favorite things I ever ate in terms of like ice creams and food like that was、um, in Mexico in one of the islands we went to.、Uh, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's fine.、Um, they had the little local like again local at like local ass stand. Like it was a shack made out of like. You know the wood. It wasn't well constructed. It's on the side of the road. It's almost like a lemonade stand that a kid would make. But they sold like homemade ice cream, like in the plastic bag that you bite off and like you eat, and it was like fresh ingredients. Like they had, they had made like a Kit Kat ice block, like Kit Kat chocolate ice block. But then they made like a grapefruit ice block, a pomegranate, melon. Oh my gosh! Like you know, like when you make fresh melon ice blocks, have you ever、yeah. made that with like the sugar in it? I haven't made it, but in the film. But you know, like the,、yeah. that ice candy type feel.、Oh. That's what they made in Mexico, and they were a dollar each. And I was like, like a three minute walk away from the beach, and I found it, and it was really cute because I can speak Spanglish. Like I can go hola cómo estás, cuánto, blah blah blah, blah. like English, and they can kind of speak it. And they were like these little kids, like their mom was clearly inside the store, like. It was a pharmacy, and the mom was inside. Yeah. And I'd been there like two weeks, and the next week I went, came back, and I was like, I was like this little tour of my backpack, going to the beach, and I was like, "Hola,、uh, una melon, blah blah blah." And they were like, "Oh, we don't have." And then they didn't really speak English, and they were intimidated because they're like four or five year old kids. Yeah. In、um, like this little tourist attraction, and they called their mom, and like they're my favorite because it was so local as well. Like it was a fridge, and you can see the stack, and you know they probably just made that the night before or two nights ago. And they just like that's their business, and、yeah. I would always buy it, and I was like, "That's only a dollar." Like, I was like almost tempted to be like, "Here, take the five now, and I'll collect four later."、Yeah. Like it was just like my addicted to it. It's like a trust fund. Yeah, that was, more like a oh, what would I call it? Like a tab. Like we did Uber Eats, where I'm like, I already paid for it. I'm coming to pick it up. Yeah.、Um, yeah. Wow. That was my, I think my favorite thing to eat because it was also at a beach, like and it's hot, and I'm like,、oh, get some more food, get some more ice cream to cool down. That's amazing.、Yeah. Do you remember like the exact location in Mexico? Ah,、uh, no. That's okay. We、um, don't. <laughs> it's okay. It's not Cozumel because we went to. 
I, I, I'm going to butcher the name. It's like... <laughs> Mahawal, Mahawal, M-A-H-U-H, something, something, something. It's How? okay for you. Uh, in Mexico, it's where one of the ships went to. It was, uh, yeah, it was really weird. I'm so annoyed. Wait, wait, wait. I, I forgot to ask this, but like when you go on cruises, mm. and you know how there are tours? Yes. Can you do those tours for free or does it cost money? For me, yeah. as a crew member, Depends on who you know. So cruise ships are really good for networking because if you know the right people, you can get certain perks. Like, um, if you case in point, this never happened to me, but like it's if you know like the the restaurant manager, you might be able to eat at a restaurant for free or at a bigger discount on the ship. You know, so for the tours, when you're asking about that. Um, Sometimes I would help out as an extra tour guide if it was busy, where oh, they're like, oh, if you can help us organize the guests and tell them where to go in the morning, if you want to take a tour afterwards, you can. And so I pre-book it the night before, so I got to go see some of the Mexican ruins for free. Like, and it's a full day tour, like, we get off the ship at 7 a.m. in Cozumel, take a ferry over, then take a bus over, then spend some time in Pulum, which is one of the Mexican Mayan ruin type places and seeing it, um, which is really cool. Like even though there were hundreds of tourists there, it's still amazing to see that culture that's existed. Yeah. Ages ago. Yeah. Oh, that is cool. So sometimes it's always good to have perks and good to make friends. Yeah. I I want to keep that in mind. If I like ever in another life go on a cruise ship, but now we are nearing the end of the podcast, so. Before I finish podcast, I always have to ask this one question, oh. and that is, what is your number one travel hack? Oh, my, my number one travel hack is, uh, we went, I said it earlier, was to, <laughs> no, no, it, 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 and I'll tell you why it's my travel hack, because I didn't tell you why, like, mm. pack less than what you think you need, No. because you always buy stuff while you're traveling, <laughs> like, so there's always, there's always a reason to pack less, because you buy more, yeah, yeah, like, um, uh, Oh no, actually, if you want a tra real travel hack, when you get on the plane and you're traveling to a different time zone, even before the plane takes off, I always set my alarm, like not my alarm, my phone and my watch to the destination I'm going at. Like as soon as, like if I'm in Sydney and it's 10 o'clock and I'm going to LA, I put on LA time even before the first meal happens, even before the flight instructions happens. So I already know what time it is, so my body has 16 hours to fly and go. Um, oh, it's 5 a.m. Thursday, LA, whatever it might be. I'm ready. My body's kind of ready. I know I've got to wait. I always set my alarm before I fall asleep on a plane or traveling really anywhere, just because it's just, yeah. And it helps you with the jet lag. Yeah, I feel that really helps. Oh, I actually really like that travel hack. Yeah. It's a very unique one. Uh, so thank you for being on the show. It's been like a long. And the thing was, I didn't see him for like maybe 10 years. Yeah. What am I? No, no, no. Like maybe eight years? Yeah. Eight, it, no, more than eight five years. years. Would be more honest. than five years. Yeah. So it's yeah. been a lot of fun. And I really want to thank you for saying yes <laughs> after not I like, seeing so five full. years. I feel like we just talked. That's that's the part of the that's uh, the point of the podcast. So okay. you know, <laughs> like we basically just talk and that's that's why I wanted to start a podcast. 
But <laughs> you gave a lot of, I think, useful advice. So I, I think so. you're up for that. <laughs> um, and I mean, you are a traveler, but I mean, you do like to upload a lot on your Instagram. I do. You're thinking of doing a YouTube channel, maybe. <laughs> so if anyone wants to find you, where would you like them to find you? So you can find me on Instagram at the Kenny Chronicles or Kenny Chronicles, K E W N Y K H R O N I C L E S. The Instagram, the YouTube is the same. I guess I, I wouldn't say I'm a professional traveler just yet, you know, because I like <laughs> because I think because I say that because I like I like to experience when I travel, not to travel to write about it. Yeah, and like and and yeah. But that's where you can find me. But the you main travel one is, often as well. I do travel often, and I think traveling locally is also important. But that's a whole other thing. Like, yeah. traveling isn't just taking a plane. Like, it's taking a six-hour drive somewhere else. Different. Yeah. Yeah. But traveling is definitely fun, and I'm glad I got to do this with you. Yeah, yeah. no worries. So they can find you on both Instagram and YouTube? And YouTube, yeah. Awesome. And if you'd also like to find The World Begins With You podcast on social media, you can find it at... You can find Raw Begins With You on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and YouTube if you are currently listening to this. So you can watch this podcast, especially this one, because this is like <laughs> the type that I've always wanted, like a face-to-face -face sort of interview. However, if you, coming, if you are coming from YouTube, you can always just watch the podcast. You can always just listen to the podcast as well if you're if you can't notice yeah i'm a little bit hungry <laughs> that's why i'm screwing up the outro so much but i hope that you have a wonderful day i hope that you eat lots sleep lots travel lots and i'll see you next time on the world begins with you <laughs>